You know, and Carolina is more of a name that betters recognize and, and has some juice behind it, I guess. And and it's like the Cowboys, you know. I remember one year when the Panthers played the Cowboys, I think on like Thanksgiving, and the Cowboys were not good and the Panthers were undefeated and the Cowboys were like a one-point favorite. And I was like, okay. <laughs> the Panthers blew them out, by the way. But <laughs> welcome to an ACC podcast where... We are playing games this week, which can't be said for, sadly, for, I mean, I think every other major conference. I'm not sure if that's, I'm Lauren Brownlow, by the way. Let me just, before I ramble on for 20 minutes, and I've, I've got Connor O'Neill, formerly of the Winston-Salem Journal, currently of the News and Observer, covering Wake Forest. Um, and does a great, great job covering Wake Forest. Whenever I need a Wake guest, I don't hesitate. And that's no slight to the other people that cover Wake. There are some other people that do a good job, but Connor is must follow. Hello, Connor. Hey, Lauren. How are you? Oh, you know, <laughs> same. <laughs> I know. I always feel so weird when people ask me that. I'm like, not great, but I also don't want to make someone feel like garbage when they ask me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's kind of in the in the year of our Lord twenty twenty. Everybody's answer is kind of the same. Like, well, do you really want the answer to that question, or do you want me to just say, oh, "I'm good. How are you?" Right. Yeah. Do we do we do the formality thing, or do I tell yeah. you the truth? And 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 as I told Connor just before I uh, sent him the link to start recording, I spilled literally an entire cup of coffee on my carpet. So that was fun. Just keep adding on things. 2020, really, it's fine. You're just trolling us all at this point. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I know the ACC had a game postponed last week, postponed, canceled. I can't keep up anymore. But uh, I think maybe the Big 12 is playing all the games. I'm not sure. But everybody else, uh, all the other Power 5 leagues have at least one game canceled or postponed and some several. Yeah, I think the Big 12, I think you're right about the Big 12, because I think this was one of the weekends they kind of had baked in with uh, maybe like four teams had it off already. So they had a little bit of a lighter schedule than than would have been the case anyway. Okay. Um, but but yeah, you're I mean, I, I think at one point uh, in the last day or two, I was I was going to do something and came back to my computer a couple hours later and all of a sudden it was like three games had been canceled in two hours and it was just yeah like cbs doesn't even cbs doesn't even have an sec game on (laughs) uh it's crazy i mean i i don't know and i don't i don't know i mean not to get too much into this obviously because like we talk about it every week to some degree and i don't i i shouldn't say this as cases surge and like i know every acc school to some extent has had to deal with it. Although some fewer than others, like Boston college, I don't think has had any cases. I think they had one when they came back in July. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think wake forest has had a ton of issues with this, right? No, they haven't. Um, it's really, it was, it was the first kind of the first half of their season. They were missing a lot of uh, defensive backs and, you know, wake is, Wake is on the uh, far end of the scale with secrecy when it comes to COVID-19. They haven't told us who's who's actually injured and who's out for contact tracing, who's out for a positive test. None of that is being disclosed. So, Right, so we just don't know. Yeah, yeah you're, you're kind of left to, to make it a guessing game. But, you know, when when they march out there and, and you're looking at, uh, uh, like, half of the secondary is missing, you kind of figure, okay, well, they've got some contact tracing going on here. Like this is is either the position group with the worst luck in the, in the league, or they've got some contact tracing going on. Although, you know, I mean, and we'll, 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 I I think we'll start out with this game because this it's a, why I had you on. Cause I think it's the most intriguing game of the weekend that doesn't just fall into my niche level of fascination, um, which, which is Phil Dracovic and Boston college. But um, I, I, you know, Carolina wake, it's interesting though, because Carolina secondary through a combination of factors, because you could look at Carolina secondary and if they didn't tell you the reasons beforehand, you would maybe think the same thing after a couple of weeks of the season. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I mean, Storm Duck's been out since like week two now. Um, was their starting corner in game one, and 
um, played pretty well in that game. He's been out for a while. They've had some other injuries. They're getting some guys back, so they've gotten a little healthier there. But there was definitely a time there where if you looked at their secondary, you might have started to wonder if they'd had uh, if they'd had an outbreak. But yeah, they they had their issues in the um, in the fall camp, and then it's seemingly everything's been settled down since then. But we haven't really heard much else except for those overall overall like athletic testing numbers. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I, I just I don't want to like jump on, out on a limb and say like the ACC seems to be handling it better than some of these other leagues, because the moment you say that about COVID, you don't taunt the COVID like we've we've talked about this on this podcast before. Not you, me and you necessarily, but like I've talked about this, like the moment you taunt COVID, it will come back to you. Uh, Florida yeah. learned that. Dan Mullen learned that the hard way. Um, yeah, so. there's there's numerous examples <laughs> like, I, yeah, that's not it's. I think I've even said it uh, with you before on here that it's nothing to joke about. Like it's, it's just no. Mm -mm. Well, and don't even say like, Oh, I, and that's also what I mean. Like Dan Mullen was different. He was the one that was like, we need 90,000 fans in here. And then, you know, the next week, what we saw what happened. I'm, I'm even more just saying like, don't even jinx it by saying, Oh, team X is doing well with COVID or team. This league is doing well with COVID. Cause like nobody does well with COVID. You get lucky. Um, you know, (laughs) that's just what it is. Um, uh well okay i do want to get into one thing with you before we get into the football um am i the only person that's sitting here scratching my head wondering how the hell we're gonna have a basketball season uh no i'm i'm there (laughs) with you uh you know it's it's kind of um you know you look at what duke announced this week and in the uh essential game personnel and broadcast media which which basically eliminates any any writers any reporters uh and it's kind of like, well, is that what everywhere is going to do? Is you know, is is that a is that a Duke thing? Because it seems like you know everywhere else in the state is allowing fans in in the limited capacity, and Duke isn't. So is that just just Duke's pro- perspective on things? Prerogative? Uh, well, and there's. Like- Cameron's a little different too, yeah. in, that, in the that, sense that, that it's small. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was working through. Also, is that it's it's such a sweat box and a and a band box, and you you can spruce some people out a little a lot easier in PNC and in uh, the Dean Dome and and even in the Joel. Uh, yep. So that's that's kind of that's that's been a side interest of mine this week i guess uh with the schedule release and then with duke's announcement and yeah i'm i'm really curious how it plays out i was telling somebody the other day that who asked me like you know what are the what are the chances all these teams play 27 games and we're talking about everybody in the 27 game season and in march when the acc tournament starts and i was just like no it's never going to happen that's just what we've seen well, and the other thing is like, and I was I was trying to sort of think this out to myself the other day too. Like, if you have a, an outbreak or or you have a few guys get it, and you have contact tracing, and you have to hold guys out, obviously that's way more impactful in basketball. If you're missing five guys, it, there's a chance you can't play. Whereas if you're missing five guys in football, you're probably playing. Yeah, and yeah. that's the the interesting part to me is like, it, and the other part in basketball is if you're out two weeks then if those guys are out two weeks, then you're missing four or five games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I hope we don't get to the point where we're, where we're like comparing the uh, just pick teams out of a hat for the examples, like a, a four and four NC state getting a, a higher conference tournament seed than, you know, seven and eight pit. Like, right. You no, know, you're we're we're gonna be sitting here doing some really weird math when it comes to win percentages. God, I didn't even think about that. Oh it's, my god. It's it's gonna get funky. Uh just it's just gonna be a matter of how big the disparity gets. Yeah, there's just a lot of differences with basketball that have me more concerned for it. And, you know, the roster size, like I said, um, the fact that it's played indoors instead of out and and you know, the football contact is interesting because, you know, you could go a whole game as an offensive lineman and not get anywhere near a lot of players on the opposing team. Whereas yeah. I, that's not true in basketball. <laughs> yeah. Basketball. Yeah. You're yeah, anybody you're on the court with. And, and I guess pretty much anybody, anybody that's on the bench too, because they're in close proximity. Um, 
yeah, you're, you're sharing the same air you're, you're breathing on. Yeah. All that stuff. It's. Uh, I know. Yeah. Well, sorry to Debbie Downer this guys, but you know what? <laughs> on that note, let's get to wake Carolina. Now I will say this. When I first heard the line come out, I was a little puzzled. I then, though, remembered that, oh, right, this is not at Wake. It's at Carolina, where, for whatever reason, Carolina has just been way better at home for the most part. I don't even know if I count Duke as a... I mean, Duke is technically a road game, but even Mac Brown sort of threw out the caveat of, like, I mean, it's a 10-minute bus ride, essentially. <laughs> like, yeah. it's yeah. not it's not quite the same thing as, like, a road game, road game, where you go on a plane or take a long bus ride or whatever it is. But, I, you know... They are, they have been extremely good at home. Um, you know, but this is the, it's weird to think about considering, especially the way Wake started the season, but this is the best team that they've played. Yeah. Um, I, that, that kind of hadn't occurred to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech's personnel is probably arguably better, but Wake beat them. And, you know, you can't argue with that. And Virginia Tech is really scuffling right now. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm with you with the with the line coming out. I, I figured it would be in the 7 to 10 point range. Uh, I've, I've been trying to talk Wake fans off the ledge. You know, it's it's one thing if uh, some some reporter comes out and says Carolina is going to win by three possessions. But it's another thing when Vegas does it. Like Vegas isn't in the business of playing favorites or handing out uh, the bulletin board material. Like th- th- that's not their business model. So it's no, not like but it's out to get you here. No, they're not. But it is a thing where like Wake nationally is not a team that garners a lot of respect even when it's very deserved which is another thing mac was talking about this week about how he doesn't feel like dave clausen gets nearly enough credit for what he's done at wake forest i think he's right about that but you know and carolina is more of a name that betters recognize and and has some juice behind it i guess and and it's like the cowboys you know i remember one year when the panthers played the cowboys i think on like thanksgiving and the cowboys were not good and the panthers were undefeated and the cowboys were like a one-point favorite and i was like okay (laughs) (laughs) the panthers blew them out by the way but yeah you know i mean i so i I think there is that aspect to it of like vegas wants to get people to bet money and i think it opened really high it opened at like 16 which i was like that's extreme but it's been bet down now i think i'm looking at espn it's like 13 and a half which feels that's about the threshold for me where i'd probably be like okay i don't feel comfortable going either way on this one yeah <laughs> like 14 and up maybe i would i would go to wake on that but like 13 and a half it's like uh, maybe i'll just stay away from that yeah and uh, i mean it, it's it's so many factors uh yeah. that go into this and and the one that i've been trying to point out to people is uh you know, the, one of the biggest misconceptions in, in college football, I think, is that everybody thinks an off week is an advantage and you're going to always play better in that game after an off week. Oh, ask Not, Manny Diaz about that. It's, it's, it's a horrible disadvantage. Like I did the research last year because Dave Boston, before Wake beat NC State after the second off week last year, because last year we had the weird calendar that set up with two of them. Um so when they lost to Louisville in their first loss of the year in uh, October, that made Dave Clawson's teams 0-7 after off weeks. Uh, wow. For it. Yeah. What? And what? I, I did the research when they went into the NC State game. And uh, to that point in the season, that was, I think the NC State game was the first weekend of November. Uh Teams that teams last season were sixty five and seventy three or seventy two coming off off weeks. It's it's not this big advantage when you know you get to spend two weeks studying an opponent. Like Dave has been very clear in telling us that they don't even start install for the for the next team they're playing until that Saturday of the off week or or sometimes yeah. it's the Friday. But he thinks he he just feels that. If you spend two weeks on an opponent when you usually only spend a week on opponents, then kids get burned out and they're a lot less likely to retain the information than they are if you spend 
you know, one extra day on them or, or the same amount of time that you normally would spend. So it's, it's really it's, more about getting healthy, I think, than anything else. If you're a team that's banged up and, you know, the guys will come back if you give them an extra week. Yeah. And, be, yeah. and that's that's where it's an advantage to me. And Wake even Wake hasn't even always done that. Like there was a game uh, two years ago. They had an off week smack dab in the middle of their season. They got blown out by Clemson and went into the off week and came out of the off week and went down to Florida State. Uh, they had one healthy scholarship linebacker for that game at Florida State. They had to move Luke Masterson, who's now a rover, but he was a safety at the time. All of a sudden in that game at Florida State, Luke Masterson is lining up uh, at outside linebacker, a, a 210-pound safety. So mm. it's yeah, it's it's just off weeks have not been kind to, to wake under Clawson. But the thing is, uh, since last year's NC State game that they won 44-10 going away, they're 3-0 and after off weeks. So they've they've kind of figured it out. You know, this year is a, is a weird and funky year, and the stat probably loses a lot of meaning because so many teams have these weird off weeks that you can't even plan for. Like Wake had a, had a week in September when they got till Tuesday afternoon and they thought they were playing Notre Dame on Saturday, and all of a sudden they didn't have a game. Yeah. So, but but they they beat Campbell after that impromptu off week, and then after Campbell they had another one, and then they beat Virginia coming out of it. So, you know, it's it's a weird stat. It's something that I'm I'm trying to spread awareness. I, I haven't really formed the the bye weeks are not an advantage awareness committee quite yet. But I'm I'm on board. I mean, Manny Diaz in Miami just got his first win after an off week this past week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I get it. And I mean, so that being said, I guess, like what what is Wake's turnaround? What do you think it can be attributed to? I mean, Wake, obviously they didn't, you know, everyone knows you lose to Clemson. Like, OK, we get it. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, we'll allow it. It's it's OK. And, and they didn't look terrible against NC State necessarily. But with what we've seen from NC State since, I think, you know, you could certainly make the case with what the way they've both played since then, you know a team even especially with Bailey Hawkman at quarterback instead of a Devin Leary that you would have expected Wake to win that game. So I guess what what has sort of keyed Wake's turnaround, I guess. It's it, it's all about the defense. Um, you know, their offense moved the ball in the yep. in the NC State game. They scored a ton of points in that game. Uh to give up 45 points to Bailey Hawkman, um to give up they gave up 270 yards on the ground in that game. And, and it's kind of like you, you knew NC State had a good running game. You knew their offensive line was good. You knew they had two really good running backs. And I think Jordan Houston is a pretty good running back. They really have three. And you still gave up 270. Um, we talked, we, we've talked to Lyle Hemphill, Wake's defensive coordinator. We've talked to Dave Lawson about how, uh, and, and they've kind of admitted that they didn't have that game scouted correctly and they didn't make the adjustments that they needed to make once they did figure out what NC State wanted to do. And and you've seen in the in the four games since then, you know, one of those is Campbell. So you kind of take that with a grain of salt. But in the in the especially the three ACC games since then, their defense has played at such a better level. It's it's been it's been night and day, really, between those first two games. I mean, the Clemson game, they kept the score close. Clemson could have could have and should have scored 60 that night. Um, they had, I think, two dropped passes in the end zone for touchdowns. One of them, there wasn't a defender within 10 yards of, uh, I think it was Amari Rogers. Um, they, they, Wake has just ironed out so many mistakes defensively from their first two games. And what's been incredible is, is like we were talking about earlier with the secondary, They've done it. I mean, everybody knows about Nick Anderson, the the walk on yeah. with three interceptions against Virginia Tech. They've got three true freshman defensive backs who are playing at an extremely high level with with Anderson at safety, with Kalen Carson as a starting cornerback. He had an interception against Virginia late in the game, but he's really he's he's played great in in all three of their ACC wins. Uh, he's he's a sure tackler. He's got some length to him. He's really he he makes you wonder, you know, why Wake has had a little difficulty recruiting to the cornerback position in the last couple of years. Uh, they really didn't have much depth and they didn't have many experience behind Jasir Taylor coming into the season. Uh, and then 
the guy who's come on the other, the third freshman DB is Gavin Holmes. He's another corner. He had a pick six at Syracuse. Uh, he's, he's kind of, his emergence has allowed them to put him and Kalen Carson on the outside. And Jasir Taylor is, is more comfortable as a slot corner and he's able to move into the slot. So they're, their defensive backs, the emergence of these young defensive backs has really opened up the door for, for Wake to show some vast improvement defensively. So that's my big question, Mark, though, in this game. Like, we know that North Carolina's defense is flawed, and I think we all predict that Wake will move the ball, you know, yeah. somewhat yeah. on North Carolina. They'll they'll be better at it than, than, than Duke was, um, which, you know, low bar. But... <laughs> um, my question, though, I mean, I, I think while I say that this is the best team North Carolina has seen, I also think certainly at least offensively, the reverse is true. I mean, and and th- that's part of me, though, understanding that this North Carolina offense, man, it's one of those things where I wonder if North Carolina fans in later years will look back and go, oh, I wish we'd had just a little bit better of a defense because <laughs> this offense is like very, very good. And I, as as improved as Wake's defense is, do you think it's equipped to, to slow this offense down? Yeah, so I think uh, there was, you know, every quote from Wake – uh, kind of flies under the radar as far as in the ACC landscape and and just certainly a national landscape. But uh, Jasir Taylor um, said something uh, this week. He said, this is our biggest challenge so far as a whole unit, as an offense put together. Uh, Clemson had good skill, good quarterback, but I think UNC is a lot more explosive. Whoa, um, whoa. Actually, yeah. well, you know, I mean... And, and you, you know. kind of think about it, and, and especially from a cornerback's perspective, you know, Clemson goes into that game and you you know that Amari Rogers is good. You know that uh, Frank Ladson, Joseph Ngata, and Ajua Jew and Cornell Powell have potential. But Yeah, Carolina's know. receivers have more realized potential at this point. That is yeah. a true thing and wild to think about. But Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I'm from the I'm from the school of if you play receiver at Clemson and catch a pass, you're probably getting an NFL workout at least in, in when your career is over. But, but yeah, from, from just here, he said that and it's kind of like, wow, that's, that's crazy. And then you think about it from the corner's perspective. It's like, yeah, he's, he's thinking he's got a matchup against either Diami Brown or Daz Newsome. Um, Wake catches a break again. I think like, like other teams and Bo, uh, Bo Corrales isn't playing. But, Their young receivers have come on too. Yeah. Like yeah. Emory Simmons and Choffrey Brown, uh, Diami's brother. Like it's been insane just to watch like how, I mean, Emory Simmons had a great game at Duke. He's really been playing well. And, and Choffrey's been coming on this year. Like it's crazy to think about the fact, like how many weapons they have at that position. And even without Bo Corrales, it's just been like, eh, whatever, like, let's just keep going. And there's like, it's like, there's no drop off, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and by the way, we'll use uh, the two running backs as receivers, which is yep, probably you know, Javante Williams and Michael Carter definitely don't get the 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 due respect from from ACC circles, but Kenneth Walker the third and Christian Beal Smith are kind of right there in the same boat with them. They they're two really good running backs. Also, that Wake has the different the biggest difference between the two is how they're between the backfields is basically how they're used what mm-hmm. I see because you know I'm looking Javante Williams and Michael Carter have combined for 32 catches I think I think Walker and Beal Smith have maybe combined for three or four catches and one or two of those might have been like accidental Sam Hartman is scrambling and the back that was in the in the protection just kind of snuck out and he's available for a shovel pass as as Sam scrambles like it's Wake doesn't throw to receivers um Carolina does and, and Carolina I mean I was watching uh last week when Michael Carter ran over Michael Carter uh and, and that was you know if you can get the ball in the hands of playmakers in space I I think that's probably a good idea to do and Carolina does a really good job of it yeah it's it's their offense is insane to watch and and They've made some mistakes in in bad situations, but it's been insane to me after games sometimes to see like, oh, well, Sam Howell shouldn't have done X. And I'm like, they scored on almost every drive. Like, I don't know what more you want them to do. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, there's, there's just such nitpicking that goes on. Like, 
Yeah, and and I saw some of that last year uh, when Wake's offense was rolling along with Jamie Newman and uh, yeah Sage Surratt, and it's you know people people want to see this this and this, and it's like you you know they scored fifty nine points in this game against Louisville. I know they lost the game, but but they scored fifty nine points. This wasn't the offense's fault. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not uncommon to see basketball teams win with that many points scored. Yeah. Sadly, yeah, like. <laughs> but no, it's and and Caroline would Caroline Darney uh, from Streaking the Lawn would kill me if I didn't ask this question. But uh, Sam Hartman, handsome dude, yeah. Next uh, next bachelor, maybe, maybe in the future. Um, Does he have a girlfriend know, though? We feel bad if he has a girlfriend that we're lobbying for this. I, not that I know of. I mean, okay. There, there are times that these guys uh, yeah. <laughs> will surprise me with a with a social media post of like you know six months and I'm like wow that, that's something I had no idea about but um, yeah I guess the the biggest draw here is uh, he got a haircut at some point in the last three weeks four weeks maybe and I still haven't had a chance to to ask him what happened because he had some flow going to him I mean it was yes. It was yes. pretty long back there, uh, and I asked him about that at one point. I think in maybe August or se- or early September, just kind of joking around with him and saying like, "What's it going to take for you to get a haircut at this point?" And he said, uh, "I think he said it would take his mom getting mad at him for how long his hair was." Okay, yeah, that would be a clue that maybe he doesn't have a girlfriend. Okay, um, and then uh, he also seemed to indicate that he didn't want to take any COVID risks at the time. So oh, I, think totally. that, I think that those probably got alleviated and, and he was able, or, or he just had a teammate do it, but it doesn't look like, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't look as, um, amateurish. Is, yeah. Is, I guess is the best way to put it. Okay. It, it seems it. like a professional did it. So, okay. Well, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like it's something where they're going to need North Carolina to hurt themselves a little bit. Um, and and they're going to need to be opportunistic. That's how they beat Virginia Tech. And North Carolina will probably give them chances to do that. It's just a matter of how much they can take advantage of it, probably. Yeah, I mean, the, the turnover margin uh, is that's the that's what jumps off the page for you with with looking at Wake right now. I, I think oh, yeah. What are they it's one of the first for? things Mac mentioned that they only have one turnover this year. Yeah, plus 14. And, and they've been taking it away like Wake. Wake for the last three or four years has done a really good job with protecting the football. Um, and the, that's been my biggest surprise with Sam this year is when he was, when he was in there as a freshman two years ago, running around, uh, we, we made a big deal about him playing at under 180 pounds. Like he was just getting crushed. And when he would get crushed, his performance would suffer. He'd, He'd come out and sling the ball around and then he'd take one or two hits from, you know, one of the one of the Clemson first rounders or Zach Allen in the BC game or uh, Syracuse's defensive line at the time. And he'd just go into a shell. He'd get happy feet. Uh, Yeah. So that's that's been marked improvement. Like he's he's up to about 215 pounds now. He's able to take a beating and, and get up and throw a throw a dime on the next play. But the thing that I've been really impressed with was when he was in there two years ago as a freshman, he would make one or two plays a game where things would be going bad. And instead of just swallowing the pill and taking the loss, he would try to make some kind of high schoolish, like yeah. team on your back play. And it, it would just it would make things three times worse. Uh, his first interception down at Tulane was was trying to do exactly that. He tried to throw as he was getting sacked. and ended up throwing an interception. Um, he's, he's all but eliminated those plays from his game. He, he knows when to take a sack. I think he takes too many sacks, but would you rather have somebody take too many sacks or throw the ball into double coverage, just trying to yep. get rid of him, trying to make something happen that's not there? So that, that's, you know, Sam, that's, that's been his biggest area of growth, and that's it's directly... Uh, it's 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 just so obvious when you look at their turnover margin and you're saying, wow, they've they've got this guy in there that two years ago was was slinging the ball around everywhere and making some really dumb plays. Now he doesn't do that anymore. And, and their defense has a bunch of takeaways and he hasn't turned the ball over once. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, 
and it'll be it'll be an interesting game for sure. Twelve o'clock on ACC Network. I'm I, I think we'll find out a lot about both of them. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see yeah. how that one plays out. Um, Miami at Virginia Tech also twelve o'clock ESPN. Miami versus November. Frankly, um, this this was the game with the stranger line, wasn't it? Uh, Virginia Tech minus two and a half. I think that is partially due to Miami's own history. I, I think that's as much. And then it being at Virginia Tech. That's my guess as to what both of those are about. Um, th- I mean, I get what you're saying, but I really think that's something where Vegas is like, okay, we know what Miami is doing right now. They almost did it at NC State and they didn't. And they're about to do it now. That's what I, that's yeah. my, maybe I'm like hot taking it too much, but I kind of feel like that's what it is. But my 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 like rebuttal to Vegas would be, okay, but who's going to stop Miami on Virginia Tech? Yeah. And God, I watched I watch all of the, the NC State game. And how do you come away from that game not thinking that the Eric King is, is not going to let this team fold? Like, he's unreal. Like he's, he just is having to do it do everything himself, really. I mean, they don't have a running game outside of him. The offensive line is terrible, although I do think they're doing a good job scheming around it better than other Miami coaches have done. Um, they're sort of figuring that out. And look, they're, I mean, the, Harley stepped up, their wide receiver stepped up because that's been a big issue for them all year. And they're going to have to keep that up because Virginia Tech secondary has proven, even when getting somewhat healthy, to be garbage. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's a weird time to be talking about a Virginia Tech team that doesn't play defense, but but it's a Virginia Tech team that doesn't play defense. Um, yeah, it's like it's like the phenomenon where we don't want to talk about Duke being bad at offense, right? Yeah, because like that's yeah. what we've always known Duke to be under David Cutcliffe, but like we're in year three of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's it's there. I mean, hmm. I don't know. I mean. The thing Foster is, could be convinced, maybe. <laughs> you know. Nah, it's not even him though. I mean, because they were bad last year and not great the year before. Like, yeah. it, so I don't know. I mean, it's it is intriguing because I, I have always said Virginia Tech is like the Michael Myers of the ACC, and that the moment you're like they're done, they're like not so fast. <laughs> we're not dead yet. So I, yeah, that's, I, that's a good post Halloween reference. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's eternally true of the Hokies, right? I mean, like they got <laughs> boat raced by Duke last year and everyone's like they're done. And then all of a sudden they, you know, win almost every game after that. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, their offense is still really good, but the defense isn't stopping anybody. And we saw that last week. And it's a little bit like North Carolina, although I don't think quite as extreme because I think I think at the end of the day, North Carolina's offense is more dangerous because it can do more. But the both offenses have to score almost every time they touch the football. Yeah, I saw I had uh, somebody asking me if if Wake just takes the game plan that they used against Virginia Tech's offense and applies it this week. And and like a little bit of that, but Sam Howell and the outside skill on Carolina scares you so much more than uh, Hendon Hooker and Trey Turner and whoever else Virginia Tech lines up outside. I mean, without James Mitchell, that passing attack just looks not intimidating at all. Uh, and I, no. I think Hendon Hooker is a really good quarterback. I really like Hendon Hooker. Yeah, same. Just, there, there's just not the same threat that you have when you when you face Carolina. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that makes it different is that Hendon Hooker can also beat you with his legs. And, and while Sam can scramble around and get out of trouble, he's not necessarily going to run for 100 yards or anything. But yeah. what they have, like you said, what they have at receiver is so much more of a threat than what Virginia Tech has. And I, yeah, I, I guess this line does make a little less sense to me now that I don't know if Khalil Herbert's going to be out there. I guess he's not, right? Yeah, that seemed to be the indication earlier in the week. Um that, no. This must just be all about thinking Miami's going to face plant, which, uh, again, yeah. I understand. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to get too sidetracked in talking about whether star players should play on special teams. Um, oh, is that where he got hurt? God. Yeah, it was on the it was on the opening kickoff against Liberty. Uh, they they put him out there and he fielded the kickoff and I, I think tried to take it back and uh, didn't play for the rest of the game. 
That's been, yeah. I mean, I think, God, who does, Carolina has two good players on their special teams. I think they have Michael Carter back for uh, kickoffs and Daz Newsom for punts. And, uh, you know, it's, they have not, special teams have been bad for them all around, but. Yeah, I mean, Wake Wake on kickoffs puts Donovan Green back there, and as Oof. as bad as their outside receivers have been this year, he's been their best one. And you, know, you kind of look back That's there, and it's like, Dave, you you really want to risk your your only good outside receiver at this point? Um, yeah, it is risk reward, right? I guess it, because you know, yeah the you, the the best example of was. Uh, two and three years ago when Wake had Greg Dorch back there. Um, yep. And there were, there were all the fans every day in fall camp asked like, you know, Greg Dorch is coming off this punctured small intestine. Uh, I think it was. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. Why, after why that, are, <laughs> why are we going to put him on kickoffs? That's the, the highest risk play in football. Um, and, and Dave was honest and said, well, look, he had a freak injury. So you're, you're, you're not thinking that a guy is going to suffer two freak injuries. Um, hmm. Okay. And then the other side of it was just Greg Dortch is, is our best player when he gets the ball in space. And right. we, want to, we want to maximize the chances that he gets the ball in space. And if we take him off of kickoff, we're not doing that. And so we're making our football team worse. So, yeah, you, yeah. you see it. You see it from both angles. Um, yeah, but. You just you you cringe hearing about, yeah, we lost our best player because we were trying to get to the 35 yard line instead of the 25 yard line. for, for yeah, a drop. That, That's the thing, too. And it's become increasingly like you can do it, but it's the kickoff return, I think, has just become so much less of a potential dynamic play than it used yeah. to be. Um, so, yeah, you, I think you have a point there. And even even punt coverage has gotten so much better that you don't as often see somebody really torching somebody on a punt return this year. Maybe I just have watched too much North Carolina football, but really all the North Carolina teams, you don't see it very much that I've, and I haven't seen it a ton, a ton in any of the games I've watched. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but special teams have been a big old mess anyway. Um, partially because of COVID I think, but also just, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think you have a lot of young guys out there playing um, in a unit that, has more importance than people want to give it credit for and don't always know yeah. exactly what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's, and and that's the thing. And the other thing you, you have, and this is again, coming from the wake perspective of things, but wake has a bunch of guys on special teams that normally wouldn't be playing, but right. since the year doesn't count against eligibility, they're throwing a bunch of guys out there that, you know, they'd typically be, kind of cherry picking which four okay which four games are you going to help us which four are you going to help us no they're just they're just throwing guys out there and i mean it's working with some of them like they've got a they've got a freshman slot receiver Keyshawn williams who it seems like he makes a special team play every every week now he just he can't get on the field at slot receiver because he's got two good ones in front of him with jacory roberson and taylor marin but he makes plays on special teams it's like wow he's He's got some some instinct to him. He's he's a really good football player. But yeah, they've got some other guys out there that's like, okay, you know, remind me of this jersey number. Who is this kid? What what, yeah. what hybrid yeah. position is he supposed to play when he actually gets on the field on offense or defense? And and what's he out there trying to do now? Yeah, and I know I know Mac Brown was saying that it was. I think he said it was a freshman that let a Florida State player right by him. Uh, to block that punt at, yeah. at Florida State, and that's that that was a play that changed the game. And you're putting it in the hands a lot of times by necessity of guys that uh, maybe aren't quite ready to see the field. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> special teams are wild. Um, all right, we'll breeze. Through, well, we won't breeze through the rest of these because I love this game. Three thirty, ABC, Notre Dame at Boston College. I, this game is one I've had circled all year for a lot of reasons. Obviously, you have Notre Dame transfer Phil Dracovic at quarterback, who is Maybe my favorite quarterback to watch this year in the ACC. I don't know why. He just is super fun. You never quite know what you're going to get from him. He will just do everything in his human power to win a football <laughs> game. Um, he's got a little edge to him. He's very hard to tackle. Um, 
God, you've seen that time and time again. He's he's just hard to bring down. He's he's spunky. He's got boxy. He's got spirit to him, that Phil. And he's and he's gonna and he's talked about it this week. He hasn't shied away from it. He's gonna be super fired up to face his old team. Um and Notre Dame is coming off of like their biggest win in a long time. And yeah. it's a prime spot for a letdown. And Lord knows how many teams have gone up to Boston College, <laughs> you know. And had a letdown over the years, plenty, right? Yeah. And I think oh. it's, I think it's no fans there, right? They're not yeah. going. They're not no going fans. anybody. Yeah, I mean that that adds to it that there's going to be zero atmosphere. Um, you know, now that now that Brian <laughs> Kelly has proved that he can win the big one, uh, now you have to prove if you can avoid the the letdown when you go play in front of uh, a bunch of ghosts. Yeah, yeah, I'll be I'll be I'm really going to be eager to see this football game, honestly, like I'm kind of sneakily excited for it in in my like one person Boston College fan club. You talked about this with your AP top 25 that that Boston College was a team you thought about. And for the same reason as me, I'm sure, you know, you're like, well, I can't do it because their wins are just not anything to speak of yeah, it's just a one point win against Pitt doesn't really do it for you anymore does it no no it does not <laughs> but you know they obviously played they were a two point conversion attempt away from going to overtime with North Carolina they played very well at Clemson um so yeah you, you they've they've had their moments and um this is this is a big opportunity for them i've been super impressed with jeff halfley this year um i don't know if he's a coach of the year candidate i mean he probably is um i I obviously think dave clausen's done a great job as well he usually does but certainly halfley is a guy that i think people are pretty impressed with i know i am yeah i'd I'd say those two at this point i mean it'll it'll be a weird reflection and a weird state of where we are in 2020 if brian kelly gets it but we might be (laughs) looking at that being the case um not to hot take it too much, but like, there's no way that the ACC traditional media folks do that, right? There's no way. I, see, I don't think, but I, I, I want to believe that they're, you know, if Notre Dame is 11 and 0 and and has beaten Clemson and and, you know, I I would hope he at least gets considered. Oh, for sure. No, I I agree with that. I'm just saying, like, if Halfley and or Clawson have, you know, continue to have good years, yeah. I, I if there's another candidate, it'll go to the other candidate, probably would be yeah, my guess. It, it'll <laughs> I can I can say from my from my corner over here in Forsyth County, it'll it'll uh stoke some fires if if the two leading candidates look like it's Dave Clawson and Brian Kelly and Brian Kelly gets it, uh that would that would really stoke the flames of the Rodney Dangerfield routine and the no respect. I mean, it's just, it's true though, you know, like it's a true thing. I mean, Dave Clawson's agent should have been fielding a lot more calls than he's probably been fielding. Let's put it that way. And I don't know how many that is, but it's not enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you hear about that kind of stuff and like who he's fending off, but. you, You really don't. I mean, it's. Dave is is a private person. Um, I've I've always had the sense like I've I've talked about this before with people where you know, look at it. Um, Dave's parents live in Charlotte. His daughter is a senior at Davidson. His son, um, I, I think his son is still in high school. Uh, and he's he's got some roots here. Um, and he he's said from the beginning that he thinks Wake Forest is a destination job. I know everybody says that, but when you stay in a place for seven years and and you're a program builder and you've only ever spent five years at a place before, when you get to year seven, you kind of start taking that person at their word. This is an interesting comparison before we move on, because I know we're, we're you know, we've already gone pretty long, but. I got this brought up to me by uh, Joe Ovius, who is on 99.9 The Fan here locally in Raleigh. But um, uh, we were having this conversation about David Cutcliffe and my my rebuttal to anyone who was like, you know, David Cutcliffe, he's, it's done. Like, he can't do anything else with this team. It's he's it's run its course. I'm like, who are you getting? Like, who yeah. do you think you're getting to replace what he's built there in today's modern era of football? And 
Ovius brought up Jim Grobe. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, everybody said that about Jim Grobe. And now look at what Dave Clausen's done. And I'm like, oh, man, you don't make a bad point. <laughs> no, no, that's I, that, yeah, that's perfect. Um, I can remember being around in, in 2013 when it was, it was like the worst kept secret around Wake was that it just it, it had to be time. that It just got so stale. Um, and yeah, you, you go out and, uh, if, if Duke. And they have similar statures in the coaching community, I think. They do. They do. You Um, could argue Cutcliffe's a little more beloved maybe, but I don't know. It's not by much. It's, it's really similar. I've had this conversation with a, with a Duke fan. That's a friend of mine. Um, you know, even, you even go to the point where they had that one magical season where Wake won the ACC. It was a different ACC in 2006. Oh, yeah. And and Duke got to the ACC championship game, kind of got the runner-up trophy for for playing that you know monstrous Florida State team. Um, it's it's a really similar trajectory, uh, you know, and and the who you're going to get, I I get it, but it's also like there's there's always going to be an up and coming MAC coach or Mountain West or CUSA like. There's and we'll see. Coach out there, Jamie Chadwell at, at Coastal comes to mind. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I personally like David Cutcliffe very much. I hope it doesn't come to that, but it's, and this is their off week. But boy, oh boy, does it look ugly there right now. Um, yeah. And I mean, before I mean, I'll they need to play Gunnar Holmberg. I have been become firmly entrenched in this camp, um, and so is his mother, who continues to like my tweets about this. <laughs> <laughs> which always makes me like raise an eyebrow a little bit. Not, not that she's doing anything wrong. She's not. And she's never said anything to me that I've found to be disrespectful or anything of the program, but I can tell that she feels the same way. It, it brings a weird dynamic when you know that the parents of players see your tweets about their kids. It right. Just, it does. <laughs> You're like, Oh man. Yeah. Like I tweeted something like Gunnar Holmberg is like one of the best quarterback names. And she likes that tweet. And I'm like, okay, yeah, she's read my tweets noted. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't have Chase Bryce turn it over a million times a game and then tell the rest of your team that you hold them to any sort of standard and expect them to take you seriously. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, 3.30, Louisville at Virginia. The best two matchup of two win teams in November of all time. <laughs> Not really, but it does have intrigue to me. It does. Um, uh, I'm I'm really intrigued by this Virginia team and and what they were able to do last week. I kind of left them for dead, uh, but you know, the teams they've lost to are all teams that we're sitting here saying are are good teams. Um, you know, maybe NC State is the worst one of the bunch. Uh, and then, but they had the fullback playing quarterback situation. He's not really a fullback, yeah. but he wears a fullback number, so I stand by it. Um, for a lot of that game because they lost Brendan Armstrong, I think, earlier midway through the second quarter, I want to say. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yep. we'll see. I mean, yeah, they intrigue me too. They, they, they certainly had a very good game plan against North Carolina, albeit a bold one, which was basically like, we're not going to let you run the ball, even if you routinely scored 50 to 70 yard touchdowns on us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, who, They'll probably who repeat is, that against Louisville, right? I would think. Who is ACC media uh, more disappointed by, Louisville or Pitt? Oh, it's Pitt. Okay. I See, think, right? For me, it's for me, it's Louisville. I'm okay. I, I I don't I don't have that fond of a opinion of Pat Narduzzi. Uh, oh, fair, fair. Me neither. And and I everybody loved Kenny Pickett and talked up Kenny Pickett. I didn't really see it with Kenny Pickett and I know he's out and he's not the reason that they've lost all the games they've lost, but I just, Oh man, I thought this Louisville team was going to be an offensive juggernaut. I thought they were going to be what Carolina is this year. Well, see, here's the weird thing, right? Statistically, they kind of are. Um, It's been a really bananas thing. Like I'm, I'm sorting yards per play. Um, Well, okay. No, not in yards per play, but cause Carolina's six and Louisville's 24th. Um, but they, I mean, they're moving the ball more often than not. They've had disappointing showings though. There's no question offensively. Um, and ones that you are like, why are you only doing X against this team? 
Um, but they've also had, you know, I mean, I think they're 9.3 yards a play against Florida State and then 8.4 against Virginia Tech um, in the loss. That's what Louisville did. Like, that's absurd. And you should win games with those numbers, but they're not because I think they've just been a little too turnovery. That's no. been an issue. But yeah, you're right. Like, certainly against Pitt, you expect, even though Pitt's defense is good and they were playing well back then, you expected them to do more. They put up numbers on Miami, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, they've just, they've turned it over too much, I think. And um, they do seem like they're kind of getting it together offensively, two straight 500 yard games. Um, but Bronco and that defense, they also seem like they've maybe figured something out. Um, so we'll see. But we've also seen teams perform well against North Carolina defensively and then not uh, after that. So <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So we'll see. Um, the, this is a big show me, you know, game, I think, for both of them, because Louisville, I think we knew was always going to have a rough start to the year. I think the Georgia Tech game's the one that you look at and go, OK, that's unacceptable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know, uh, the old, uh, I, haven't, I haven't picked up on it. Is it WYD on Twitter? Is that the comment? Yeah. There? Yeah. What, what are you doing, Louisville? Yeah. yeah. What, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's not one you can explain away. But it, I think it's I don't know. Maybe it's because like we all like Scott Satterfield more than we like Pat Narduzzi. And maybe that's why we're not being as harsh on Louisville. Um yeah. And maybe it's because we also know Bobby Petrino left this uh, veritable dumpster fire behind. Um, yeah, and it's 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 funny the way we think about it is like we know that Bobby Petrino left such a mess, and we knew that whoever was going to go in there was it was going to take years to rebuild. But then when you go eight and five in your first yep. year, <laughs> yeah. all of those get extinct, get extinguished, and it's almost like you only you only put a blanket on the fire for the first year and now you're, you're still struggling to contain it. But since you had success in the first year, we expect, you know, you're, you've arrived, you, you've put out the fire a lot quicker than anybody realized. And I think that, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you didn't do as good of a job as we, we thought you did. Yeah. And there's, there's stuff floating around that like their offense is easier to figure out after you have some tape on it. Um, okay. We'll see the Satterfield offense anyway. We'll see. Um, I, I I will say, I mean, in their last game obviously was against Virginia Tech because they couldn't play this past week. And Virginia has been off too now because they had to postpone this. So we'll see if that off week thing <laughs> uh, materializes for either one of these. But they played that Virginia Tech game essentially without a defensive line. And yeah. not, not that their defensive line was good to begin with. And they still really fought and, and, you know, had a chance to win that game and I was impressed with them, but that was two weeks ago and now Virginia Tech's done what it's done. And <laughs> I don't know, man, we'll see. <laughs> it's a good thing for Virginia though, probably in hindsight that they have a week after that North Carolina game to kind of resettle and refocus and, yeah. um, and it's at Virginia. So we'll see, we'll find out a lot about both of them for sure. So um, I, I'm really fired up about a two, a matchup of two win teams. It's, I think I'm broken. Um, yeah. Why is this game at seven o'clock? This must be on regional television and that must be why Pitt at Georgia tech. Oh dear God. No, I I don't know if Kenny Pickett's back or not. You know, I I was kind of the same way as you about Kenny for a while. And I don't know. I think it was the NC state game that flipped me a little bit. Um, because he just, he just made some plays in that game that I did not think he had in him and he showed some toughness in that game that I I've that kind of resonated with me and I don't I watch them you know they're always on a television when they're playing but I don't always pay as close attention to every single play of all of their games and I wondered you know if that was just always sort of in him too you know that that toughness and maybe I just didn't see it because he was he was dealing with a lot of drops his o-line is terrible he has no running game to speak of (laughs) Like yeah, which is just that's that's one of the biggest indictments of this pit team too is is the fact that you're you're pit and you don't have a running game. Yes, what is that? I don't get it. Even <sighs> what, what was it, 2016, when they just basically decided they weren't going to run the football and they were going to throw for 600 yards a game. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was at least fun. Yeah, this none, nothing about this is fun. Nothing yeah. about I I did try to convince somebody on here like 
when Pitt Notre Dame played, I was like, well, Pitt might cover because they love to kick a bunch of field goals. So <laughs> like, it's just stop with that, Pat, seriously. And obviously, I think none of us are fooled by what they did against Florida State, who we'll get to um, because Florida State is who they are. But I mean, this is one I feel like if they lose this game, I know no one wants to fire anyone during a pandemic, but Pat Narduzzi would essentially have like a lame duck season next year, right? Like this can't stand. Yeah, actually, I I had somebody bring it up to me this week and ended up looking it up. He's under contract through 2024. Uh, Welp. Yeah, and and the, the, the thing about this year, we don't know who's going to be in position to buy anybody out. I mean, it's just... You're you're looking at some coaches that might just schools might be stuck with them based on yes. extensions they gave to them in 2017 and 18. Yep. Uh, and money and just money, like everybody's yeah. being hit by this to some degree. Somebody, so, and I think somebody somebody threw out a number that I don't even I don't even remember if it was Narduzzi or it was somebody else, so I won't mention it. But if you if I mean, Clemson cut their track program. That's how that's how much in dire straits this is. Like, Clemson could cut uh, its squadron of analysts and probably save more money than it did by cutting track. But they cut track, which which kind of tells you where schools' priorities are at the moment. Um, it's and and to be fair, buyout money specifically almost always comes, at least to some degree, from donors. Yeah. Right. Like schools themselves aren't necessarily reaching into their own pockets to to buy out a coach. That's usually coming from donors who are like, we're not going to give you any more money unless you <laughs> fire this coach and we'll help you buy him out. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's how I understand it anyway. But that's my understanding, too. Um, yeah, unless you can unless you can work out some some legal uh, martial arts. Or, yeah. Then then that's the case. Yeah. So, I mean, but this is a game that like they have no business losing this game and Pitt is infuriating in so many senses of the word. Like I just the from the field goals to, you know, and and that's what's funny is like they did go for it on fourth down at the goal line against NC State and they didn't get it. And I was like, Pat, will never do this again. And pretty much that's that's been true. <laughs> and it's infuriating. It's like get call a better play, dude. Like that's not your problem. Yeah. <sighs> Jeez, it's exhausting. Uh, all right, seven thirty. Final game: Florida State at NC State. I, I the only thing that this is going to sound so stupid. The only thing that intrigues me about this at all is the fact that it's a night game. That's it. Like, and I say that because, like, Florida State, what they did against North Carolina continues to defy explanation. Yeah. It makes no sense. Was it, they have was it thirty one nothing or thirty one seven? Thirty one seven. Okay. And like I know that there was a block punt. I know that like some weird stuff happened. I don't care. Like, because the thing is, even their defense in that game, like they played better than they have played against anyone. Yeah. And they have they you know what they did? They played to their potential. Like their pass rushers played to their potential. They were fired up. And ever since then, it's just been like, oh, they went back to disappearing. Yeah, it, they they honestly might be a team that that's their one game where they play up to their talent and and they're not going to do it again. Uh, maybe they get up for Clemson in a week. Uh, I I doubt it. I doubt it would even matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I, um, I mean, I, I do think Jordan Travis is fun. I will say that for them. Um, but then you've got Terry opting out this week of the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm uh, so much more intrigued by the drama. Uh, they've uh, yep. They've just become the ACC's drama child. Uh, I'm sitting here wondering how how we can blame Willie Taggart for Tamori and Terry leaving the program and Marvin Wilson's injury. Uh, you know, Willie's still in the state of Florida, right? Jesus. Oh God. Poor us. It's, uh, it's funny. Mac Brown shouted out two of the young coaches that he thinks are like turning their programs around. And he mentioned, uh, Halfley and Norvell. And I'm like, we don't know about Norvell yet. Now to be fair, Norvell's got a multi-year deal 
with this. Like this is a multi-year rebuild. And I will give him credit for this too. I I didn't think their O-line would be up to a functioning level this year. And they kind of are. So that was a surprise. And I like Jordan Travis. They are better offensively than I expected them to be. But for the defense to be this bad, there is no explanation for that. Yeah. I'm so much more intrigued by the drama here. I I know. I know. I want to... I want to see Mike Norvell come out and make some kind of Mike Leach statement where he says like, well, we got to figure out who's in and there's going to be a lot more attrition here or something like that. This is, this is the, like the impulse in all of us that loves reality television. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I get it. I just feel, you know, I feel badly for everybody. I certainly feel badly for Willie Taggart, who I felt like got unfairly scapegoated. And I feel badly for Norvell in a sense, because it's the same thing's going to happen to him and it's not his fault. Um, Well, at least we don't know that, but we think it's probably not his fault. We we know whose fault this is. He's it's the fault of of an impatient ass fan base that doesn't understand that you can't just keep rolling over coaches and expecting things to get better. I I prefer to think it's the fault of a guy who's making a hundred million dollars in well, uh, yes. college station. <laughs> I'll say that too. Although I don't need any more Texas A and M fans in my mentions. Um, they were mad oh, that I. <laughs> they're mad at me. Um, to be fair, I will defend myself a little bit. I did rank Florida well ahead of them. I did my rankings at one a.m. and I genuinely and I need to you know I need to do what you do and do a spreadsheet. I genuinely forgot that they beat Florida. Yeah. And I don't know why I watched the game. Like I watched <laughs> that game. I, the, the, the A&M fans that were nice to me, I did tell them that. And yeah. I was like, I was like, it's embarrassing and I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's what happened. That's, that's what, that's what AP, that's what they don't tell you when you get into this is like, you'll have some people come at you that you're just like, wow, you're, you're not a nice person. I, I won't engage with somebody that mute, but yeah, I won't engage with you if you're an a hole to me. I'm not. You do have productive conversations with people that come at you level headed, like they're, you know, I just want to understand your reasoning on this, and if you explain your reasoning to them, and they're like, okay, well, I don't agree with that, but you know, that's your prerogative, and hopefully, we prove you wrong. It's like, and actually, I. Yeah, it's 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 actually been yeah, it's been fine. And and I I really I need to gloat over the Michigan guy who her, who firebombed my mentions a few weeks ago um, for ranking Penn State ahead of them. Although, like, to be fair, Penn State has proven to be bad. But I mean, they also have proven to be bad. So cry about it. Yeah, um, I, I love the like three second Cat Williams clip that I've been uh bringing up to Mississippi state fans when they lose games. Uh, Cause I, I took it on the chin cause I was one of, I think I was one of maybe 10 voters that didn't put Mississippi state in the top 25 after their first win. Oh, I got sucked in. Sorry. And, and I got, <laughs> I got crushed for it. I had a bunch of mentions for it and it was like, all right. All right. So uh, they lost three straight in three straight weeks after that. And I, Every time they lost, I, I used the <laughs> Cat Williams tweet or clip. Was... I mean, and I, I to be fair to the A&M fans, I still would have ranked Florida ahead of them, but I it wouldn't have been as wide a disparity, yeah. um, which is, I think, what they took bigger issue with, which I understand. Because head-to-head at a certain point, in, especially in this season, just is it matters, but unless you blew that team out, it's not going to matter to me as much as you think it should. So, right. Right. you know. Um, anyway, but <laughs> pray for my mentions and for Connor's mentions. Um, and some guy goes, oh, you shouldn't get paid for this. And I go, I don't. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I like, love that. We so do much. this. I, I mean, I literally do not clock in when I do my rankings. Like I don't, I don't do those on the clock. They are not part of my job. I do them for free. So yeah. you get what you pay for folks. <laughs> I do my best genuinely, but I have had brain farts in the past. And um, I need to just have a chart, like you said. I need to just do that because I end up like looking up who beat who and forgetting. And yeah. Um, yeah, I, I open a lot of tabs. I have a lot of uh, notes to myself. And 
And I'm usually doing those at 2 or 3 a.m. because I found it's it's a lot easier to do it the day that games are played than wake up the next morning and try to do it. See, I thought that too. And then I think I was just so sleepy that I let my uh, I let my brain fog get in the way. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Well, uh, I didn't want to gloss over NC State too much, but like I just this really is a matter of I think Florida State's probably quit on the season. So, um, yeah, I, I don't should- think. This, this is not going to be a problem for NC State. It should not be, no. Um, all right, Connor O'Neill, tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Well, they can find my stuff at the News and Observer slash Charlotte Observer for game coverage of Wake Forest. And then uh, I've started a Substack, and uh, that is Wake Up CO, because uh, Wake Up is, is probably a pretty common uh, thing on Substack. So wakeupco.substack.com, and that's where my midweek features, previews, notebooks, that kind of stuff uh, can be found. Love it. Awesome. All right, everybody. Until next week. Mm-hmm.